0: The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So, welcome to this Sunday morning Dharma talk. And uh, for those of you who have been here before and those of you who may be new, I want to invite back Patachara. And uh, Patachara was living on her altar for a while. She was a gift to i m c and i r c and <clears throat> and uh, she was one of the most important of the earliest Buddhist nuns who was a teacher teacher of uh, many of the other nuns of the time of the buddha and uh, and uh we're very fortunate to have a statue of her and and uh she's back here today because she lives in Santa Cruz at our retreat center, but um, the retreat center is about six miles from some of the big Santa Cruz, San Mateo County fires that are happening now. And so, um, some of the resident volunteers came here to IMC for shelter, and they brought her along for safekeeping, and very happy to have her back, and she'll be here for a while this time around, and I don't know how long, and and, um, nice to have her company. So, for those of you who are not in the Bay Area, in San Francisco Bay Area, um, uh, there's a kind of ring of fire around us. um, uh, Just uh, west of here, probably, I don't know, as the crow flies, maybe five, six miles, there's... um, uh, fires going on and down towards Santa Cruz about six miles from uh, Santa Cruz there's uh, fires and big fires that are destroying many homes and there's some 70,000 people who are evacuated down there and directly south of here or southeast a little bit there's uh, one of the largest fires in California history and the Mount Hamilton um, mountains which is just east of Santa Cruz of San Jose and then uh, fires going up slowly up the the bay, but uh, big fires up in uh, the northern counties in Napa Valley area. And uh, that also is one of the very biggest fires in the California history. That's burning well over 200,000 acres. And um, and the air here in California and in here in the Bay Area is intermittently full of uh, smoke. This morning it's relatively clean. Um, uh, there have been times where it's been unhealthy air to breathe and so uh and we have people in our community who have lost their homes uh in the mountains here and uh, some some of them it's always tragic some of them maybe a little bit more tragic than others if all their savings went into their home and and um everything burned and disappeared in the fire uh, as far as i know we don't have anyone who has been injured but um uh, certainly has a big impact on many of our lives here and what goes on. And and to have this happen at the same time as COVID-19 and the wish to be sheltered and, um, and to be appropriately distanced from other people so not to uh, either get the COVID-19 or pass it on, it makes it challenging this time when all those evacuees have to go someplace and on the move and not at home. So uh, it's a challenging time and uh, they say it's challenging uh, not only because of um, what's happening right now but also what's coming. The weather's uh, changing tonight. More lightning is supposed to be coming. Most of these fires are lightning fires. Uh, apparently they had about 12,000 lightning strikes in California over the last week, especially last Sunday and Monday, I think. And of um, and, uh, those 12,000 uh, lightning strikes, about 500 fires were created uh, all over the state. So uh, fire, fire um, uh, forces are quite spread thin and challenging. And um, so with all that as uh, kind of the context for our lives this weekend, this week, this time, and uh, it's it's kind of, fun. for California, It's just repeat what happened just some months ago when we had huge fires last year. And it um, seems like it's becoming a regular pattern to have these big fires. And the weather conditions have changed dramatically as to that really allows these fires to occur. So there is a story that um, begins that once there was a large forest for which there came a storm big lightning storm came and thunderous lightning struck the tops of trees and frightened the animals and the people who lived there. And and, um, and some of the lightning uh, lit some of the trees afi- uh, on fire. And the, fi- the trees burst into flames. The flames spread to neighboring trees. The sparks from the trees flew from one tree further away. And pretty soon, big parts of the forest were, was were, was on fire. This could be a story uh, just a, a few miles away from here in the Santa Cruz Mountains. Or, um, it's a story that's uh, told, uh, it's said to be told at the time of the Buddha. It's a Jataka tale, uh, birth stories of the Buddha. They're kind of uh, Buddhist fables. And uh, this one is a fable about a small bird, some people call it a quail, some people a parrot, who um, found itself in this huge forest fire. And uh, the fact that the description that's given for the fire back back then, in ancient India, is almost the same f- the description we can use today. It speaks to the recurrence of these kinds of dangers, these kinds of human experiences that we live in, and world experiences, the coming through a fire. Um, the Santa Cruz Mountains here. The big big destruction happened at the uh, big basin redwood forests, and the redwoods are more or less okay, most of them, and they depend on fires to come through. For the whole ecosystem is fire dependent. Uh, but the ranger station that the headquarters there uh, was not fire dependent. In fact, it got destroyed in the process. But the redwood trees continue. So. In this Jataka tale, there is this uh, small parrot <clears throat> that uh, is able to fly to safety because it can go fly above the flames and with a lot of work it begins to fly above the flames through the smoke and uh, feeling the heat coming up from the ground from the tops of the trees and it's flying to the river where it can be safe and uh, And as it looks down uh, into the forest it sees all these animals running and animals that are trapped. Um, Deer with its fawn, trapped. Uh, All these animals that are kind of agitated, screaming, running, trapped and and, uh, trying to escape the fire. And this just opens the heart of the parrot. And the parrot said, I have to do something. I can't just escape for myself. But what does a small parrot do? And so the parrot goes to the river and dunks into the water to get all its feathers as wet as possible and carrying the weight of the water and its feather flaps back. Now it can't fly quite above the fire anymore, but just singed by the fire as it flies along back to the heart of the fire, the center of it, and then uh, shakes out its leaves so the drops can fall out of its feathers and bound into the fire. And those drops, you know, they don't even reach the, flame, the flames before they sizzle up and evaporate and disappear. And the parrot goes back to the river and does it again and again and again. Now, up in the high heavens, there's uh, gods called devas in India who are living lives of pleasure and luxury and ease. And they look down to see the fire below and the forest burning. And they see this little um, parrot going to the river, getting water, wetting itself off and shaking its water over the flames and doing it over and over again. And they kind of a little bit laugh at it and say, look, that silly parrot. And the parrot can't do any, make any difference in this big fire. And um, it's, you know, it's that's not what it should be doing. And uh, they're a little bit dismissive of the of the parrot, except for one of the gods, and one of the gods is quiet and very thoughtful, and decides to go visit, and takes the form, shapeshifts shape into the form of a great eagle, and comes down and flies next to the, the little parrot and says, parrot, parrot, my friend, uh, what you're doing is hopeless. Uh, let me give you some advice. You should really go and save yourself. Go someplace where there is no fire. Go to the other side of the river and be safe. And um, the parrot says, many people give me advice. I don't need advice. What I need is someone who can help me. And that went right into the heart of the great eagle and this deva, this god, And the god looked around and saw what was happening in the fire and also saw the animals who were struggling and trapped and maybe screaming with the flames coming. And uh, and felt, and uh, I yes, I want to be a person. I want to be a being like this parrot. I want to be a being that helps. And so um, the the deva made a decision, I'm going to also help this parrot. But as the the heart opened up of this deva, so did the tears. And the tears started streaming down off the beak of the great eagle and off its feathers of its face and, and it started falling and falling. Because it was the tears of a deva, the tears were immense. And it was almost like it was raining across the forest. And all those tears then um that came from the devil's wish to be of help and to dedicate itself to to make a difference um then quenched the fire, stilled the fire, and ended the forest' fire and um so that is a fable told in ancient India. It ends with a little uh line that says. Um, and in that lifetime, at that lifetime, uh, is the Buddha speaking, um, the, uh, I was the parrot. And all these Jataka tales are stories of the Buddha in different past lives before he became a Buddha. And they say that in each of those lifetimes he had to learn a lesson. And um, and uh, here in the lesson of being a parrot, he may be... He learned the lesson of uh, perseverance, the lesson of compassion, the lesson of um, we do whatever we can. We're not expected to do more than we can, but we do what we can. And now this idea, do we do what we can? Are we doing what we can to help this world, to help the forest fires of our lives? In the ancient India, and the Buddhist teachings, forest fires... um, uh, Fires are very symbolic, both of the danger of uh, fires themselves, but also uh, other fires that exist—the fires of greed, hate, and delusion. Uh, The Buddha talked about four great perils: the peril of fire, of floods, of kings, and bandits. And um, and so this, uh, you know, fires come through, and but the fires inside of us. The floods inside of us, the the kings inside of us, and the bandits inside of us, those can all be dangerous as well. Uh, the uh, fires, as I said, is symbolic of greed, hate, and delusion. And greed, hate, and delusion to some huge way is also ha- has a role to play in the in the changing nature of our environment, the environmental changes, the climate changes we have. And so without really looking deeply into ourselves, are we really going to quench the fires? So um, this idea we do what we can, no matter how small it is, like the parrot, and and like the devas, we let our hearts break open. Let a heart, that's where the compassion resides. And why I say this is that it's certainly deeply fully a sad thing to have people lose their homes lose their lives people die people get sick and um, uh, people get afraid Uh, there's grief to be experienced in this regard and but how to experience grief how to experience sadness how to experience uh, the pain of the world without getting agitated without getting contracted, without getting um, spinning out into discursive thought, how to kind of connect to it with a broken heart, open heart, so that the compassion that's in there, the care, the love, can come forth out of us. So that's that's the function of practice, Buddhist practice. And Buddhist practice is particularly, you know, that really shows us the path or the way which, uh, that we can engage in the world effectively. And one of the key lessons of Buddhist practice, the depth of it, is the lesson that not to be calm, not the lesson to be peaceful amidst of it all, but rather the lesson of not giving in to the forces of agitation not giving in to greed or hatred, or not succumbing to fear in a way that makes us agitated. And there's a huge difference between saying, you know, let's try to be peaceful and calm, versus saying, it's just, I, I don't see, it's not worthwhile for me to now get involved in spinning out in my discursive thoughts. It's not worthwhile for me to latch on to the blame that I have or latch on to self-criticism for what, you know, how could I have done something or to latch on to anger. It's not worth latching on or picking up certain things. To learn that lesson through practice, to know, to sit quietly enough, attentively enough, and to watch carefully and see very clearly what it's like for the mind not to latch on to any of these things and to see what it's like to latch on. And as we latch on, to see what is lost. To see how it's not, doesn't really serve us. There's a loss in that. This is a phenomenal lesson to learn. It's not worth it, it's not appropriate, but there's a loss in getting caught and agitated. It doesn't mean we don't care, we can actually care better from that deeper place inside. We can care better to the world, we're wiser about the world, when we don't give in to all these other things that keep us spinning out and preoccupied and concerned. Of course we do, it's not a crime to do that, of course we do, life is challenging. But the practice can teach us how to see learn to recognize. I mean, it takes a while. Sometimes it takes months and years to really start seeing that it's not worth picking up clinging. It's not worth picking up latching on. And that's a very different perspective than the perspective that, oh, you're supposed to be peaceful. Because then we can argue, well, peace, peaceful, being peaceful is okay, but this is not the time to be peaceful we have to kind of be involved and concerned and get, you know, active. But instead of saying we have to be peaceful, what Buddhist practice teaches us is we don't have to latch on. We don't have to get caught. And this is a profoundly deep and important lesson. Not only when there's a a forest fire, not only when there's fires around us, but also for the fires of sickness, old age, and death the inevitable uh, fires that life comes with being alive. Just as it's natural for the fires to go through redwood land, it's natural for human beings to get sick, if they're lucky enough to become old and to die. What do we do then? And so a story I told last year or an allegory I told last year, the Buddha was talking to a king and um, and uh, the king said, well, you know, Buddha said something like, oh, how are you? And the king said, well, I'm uh, preoccupied in the things that kings are preoccupied with and uh, sensual pleasures of all kinds because he's wealthy and has a lot of power, um, conquering neighboring countries and warring and all these things. I'm busy. And the Buddha then says this allegory, he said, imagine, dear king, that... The mountains of the, of the east. A messenger comes from the east and tells you, King, the mountains of the east are rolling forward towards the capital, towards your palace, towards you. And a messenger from the south comes and says, The mountains of the south are rolling along, crushing everything in its way, coming to you. The mountains of the west, the mountains of the north, they're all converging on you and it's crushing everything ends away until it comes here. Given that, what would you do then? And the king said, well, in that case, I will practice the Dharma. And the Buddha said, that's good, that's right. Because the mountains of sickness, old age and death are coming rolling along, and that's coming for all of us. And, um, and there'll come a time, if hopefully, for all of us, that we, if we can be conscious as we come across these two big challenges, that the nature of our practice, if it's become strong, becomes really central to how we meet those challenges. And it comes a time when we're not even like the parrot. We can't even, we no longer can even do a little bit to help ourselves. The end is coming. And here's where that Dharma lesson is so important, because if we we can we we know so clearly, even as we're facing death, it's just simply not worth while. It's not 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 useful. It's not pleasant. It's not. It, there's a loss, a deep, great loss, to latch on to fear, to latch on to anger, to latch on to disappointment, to on, latch on to a resistance, to be fighting, to be hating, to be aversive, to be afraid. It's just not worth latching on to that, being involved in that. And we can see so clearly what is lost as we latch on. And so then we don't do it. The consequence of that is that we come back to a place of peace without being told that you should be dying peacefully, without being told that uh, you don't have to think about all these thoughts about the future, the past, what if and what's going to be. It's so obvious that you're better off not going there, that you have a home, you have something precious and valuable here and now even as you're dying. And that place is, you don't want to lose it. It's not worth losing it. That's where wealth is, that's where value is, that's where a deep sense of meaning even is there. That's lost as we latch on. And that is one of the deepest Dharma lessons we can learn as we keep doing this practice and keep being mindful and keep st- seeing and learning and recognizing what's really going on, moment to moment in this life of ours and how we respond and how we react. And, um, and when the time comes for the heart to open and for our, the metaphoric tears to flow freely and put out the fires of the world the best we can, um, then may it be so. When the time comes and we experience great loss, we don't have to be afraid of the deep emotional feelings that come with that. If we can meet those and open to them with our mindfulness, if we can learn how to have strong, powerful emotions of even sadness and pain and loss and even fear, And we've learned not to latch onto anything, not to add anything extra, not to get spin out in discursive thoughts, but this deep respect for what the heart is feeling, which I think is what the story tells about the deva who wanted to help and just started crying. That's where the healing began happening for the forest. So to allow our humanity, allow these emotions to come, but to learn not to resist, not to hold on, not to cling, not to get involved in discursive commentary, judgments about it. The simplicity of just letting it flow. So we learn this lesson and apply it in so many different places. And sometimes it applies in the ways that we want to help the world. Sometimes we apply it so we help ourselves and, and allow what's inside to be healed, and opened, and met with respect. And we'll use that, those lessons, at a time when there's no help possible, in the sense that you know we're really up against our own death perhaps, and the mountains have finally come. And even then, to meet that without slipping off into discursive thoughts, slipping off into attachment and clinging, This is a uh, powerful and valuable and meaningful way of living and dying and finding our way. We live in a world that's full of danger. There's no denying it. And we live in a world where we can practice. And this practice for our hearts makes all the difference in the world. Don't be the parrot that escapes the fire and doesn't help. Be the parrot that escapes the fire just enough to help, come back and help. Don't be the deva that is aloof and dismissive of what's happening in the world. Be the deva that wants to come and help. Hearts opens up and flows. And to be that way, please practice. Do the mindfulness practice. Do the meditation practice. It's one of the most powerful and significant thing a person can do with this uh, life that we have. So, on this day of forest fires all around us, maybe they're all rolling towards us. May we remember to practice, and we, maybe we remember the many ways that we can get our feathers wet and shake them out there's no amount of helping which is too little we do what we can so thank you so much and I look forward to seeing you next Sunday as well maybe next Sunday I think maybe I'm teaching retreat next Sunday so we'll see what happens